If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol and today in the studio I've got our great friend Shane Turner who's also our yoga teacher and Shane is also the husband of Lissy Turner who was on a few weeks back who's also a trash bag turned yogi. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks heaps for being in here Shane. No worries, my absolute pleasure. So let's delve straight in. So I have only known you as Yogi Shane, <laughs> who's like this wise dude that we look up to in the yoga room and, and you're such an amazing human. I can't ever imagine you even being a trash bag. Yes, there's definitely some uh, truth to those rumours. Tell me about your history with alcohol. Yeah, I guess before you crowned me with that wise yogi dude i was probably really that wild wombat dude at the at the party or in in any room or actually passed out on the floor by the end but yeah i i discovered alcohol in my early teens with my dear neighbors next door a beautiful italian family that i grew up with next door in the gold coast hinterland and we would raid their liquor liquor cabinet and that was my first kind of experimentation with feeling something completely different, mm. which at the time had a lot of appeal mm. and was very addictive, I guess, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I would have to say, heavily saturated within it in my early, early years. My old man was a um, professional footballer in, in Sydney and then on the Gold Coast and... You know, that was the, the 70s and the 80s and that was, you drank. Was he a drinker? He was a drinker, yeah, yeah. He was he was definitely what you would, would call an alcoholic for sure. Mm. And yeah, I, you know, I went to the footy as a, you know, 
three-year-old, four-year-old, and the football grounds were covered in, you know, Forex signs and mm. VB signs, and I collected all of the empty beer cans and put them in an old wheat bag and took them to the cannery, whatever it was, to, to mm. collect the cash. So I, you know, before I drank, I was smelling like stale beer from a five, six, seven-year-old <laughs> every weekend. Yeah. I remember being in our pool. Um, I was probably about six or seven. And to impress the other kids around me, I remember finding an empty, I think it was a beer can, and I filled it with Coca-Cola or something like that. And I was sitting in the pool, swigging it away, acting like how my mum and dad and my older siblings acted. And then mum saw me and she came out just like, and like screamed at me. And I was like, it's got Coke in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's funny. We so want to be like our parents to a degree of to those that are around us, but particularly our parents. And I often wondered, like with with young boys too, looking up to their dads and if the dads are heavy drinkers and it's ingrained in them, it almost gives you that sense of identity, you know, like... Yeah, totally. Like I idolised my dad more than I realised. I mean, I was idolising him before I realised what an idol was, I guess. And mm. and this is what we do as, as humans, as as animals, you know, you come out and mm. you're, you're vibrating very closely to these, you know, this one or these these two adults, your parent or your parents in your life that you follow them around and you follow them around very closely and you do whatever they do because that's the natural design, I guess. And And as you get a little bit older and you see other things and you're like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do as well. And before you're probably actually, actually you know, cognizing this stuff. Yeah, you know, I remember actually one of my coolest memories was we grew up on acreage and my old man, you know, did everything the hard way. You know, it was it was two acres and he did the whole thing with a push mower. Jeez. And I think it was, must have been a Christmas. I would have been four, you know, four or five maybe. And you got those little plastic mowers. I think they were red and, and, and yellow and little black wheels or whatever. And I used to follow him just mowing beside him with a plastic mower. So... Mm. Probably the next year he actually got me a little mower, and I've been I'd been mowing every weekend through through summer and spring that acreage property for about the next twelve years. And then mowing through the beers, <laughs> and then and then mowing everything. You know, I, mm. I my dad mowed through everything. He mowed through his workload. He mowed through the yard. He mowed through he mowed through life. You know, he mowed mowed through relationships in in an incredible way. You know, like he's actually he's actually a very soft lovely man a beautiful man but he presents very hard very very up in your face but in a in a you know in a real kind of warm and welcoming way like he just people just gravitated towards him he had a reputation through football he had a reputation on the Gold Coast through the football and the drinking you know the Gold Coast was a much smaller place back in the the late 70s and the 80s so People gravitated towards him, and I guess you know, I saw that as well, and mm. and um, so I just wanted to probably copy him even more. Yeah. Mm. So where did where did where did it take you your journey with alcohol? Uh, well, it took me into my neighbour's backyard because my my old man probably quit. I'm guessing now around probably when I was about ten, so oh, wow. 1984 ish. Uh, yeah, so there wasn't a lot of alcohol left in my house when I started drinking. I did ask him for a beer at Christmas. I probably was, I'd say, 13. 
He was a VB. He was also a garbo. He had two jobs. He worked on the garbage trucks from about three till seven every morning, and then he'd landscape all day. And and back then, the the garbos got a, a carton of beer for Christmas off every single house. So he'd stop drinking. So our entire garage became <laughs> three walls, aside from the roller doors, stacked high of cartons of beer wrapped in Christmas paper, which he then sold and got cash for. So <laughs> there was beer, I guess, but it wasn't in the fridge or, or my dad wasn't drinking at the time. But I did ask him for a VB at Christmas and I, I remember sipping on it and then I ran to the toilet and instantly threw up. It was oh, the wow. most disgusting thing. Mm. But that was not going to stop me because there was so much else embroiled in that beer. That wasn't the taste. That wasn't that. It was it was an image and a, and a status and all of these other things, I guess, I'd associated with it. Mm, absolutely. Mm. The physical body and even the, it, maybe on a deep level, the subconscious mind knows that that's, it doesn't want that. So you run to the toilet and you throw up or whatever it is you do. But your, your conscious mind is trying to override that and it will just keep overriding that until it becomes part of your subconscious and part of your identity yeah. as well to be that drinker. That's right, and I've learned, you know, I've really learned about that through the yoga. You know, the the mind can be the most cruelest master and override the most honourable and honourable and beautiful things, or it can be the kindest servant and continue to to mm. bow to the truth and, and take you towards that. And mm. you know, Mike Muir from the Suicidal Tendencies. I remember reading an article in my twenties, and I was a big drinker and a big smoker then, and. The, in the interview, he said, you know, everyone usually tries a cigarette and an alcoholic drink, you know, in your teenage years. And there's no one who goes, mm-mm, that was lovely. <laughs> it's poison from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the body's very intelligent and it will adapt if it's, you know. If it's forced If it's subject it. to yeah. th- these things repeatedly. And mm. that's unfortunately a bit of a downfall in the human design because it, it will adapt to anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. So as I said, I, I don't know you as, as being a drinker. So can you just give me a visual of, of, you know, how bad you got? Okay. Yeah. I only drank on the weekends with my Italian neighbours. As a child? As a, as a 14, 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. Just every, you know, every now and then when we could sneak out. My parents were very strict. My old man used to, you know, he'd flog me with the belt if oh. my sister started crying because she hurt herself in the backyard because... You know, that's how he was raised, I guess. He's from a long line of, you know, drinking Irish people who mm. grew up in, you know, in, in far western New South Wales. So there's there a, a long line of, of hard drinkers and hard livers and, and hard everything. So that's kind of how I ra- was raised. And I was, so I was always very fearful. So I did everything like that quite, I guess, minimal in the beginning and, and quite hidden until I got out and about and I could stay at those friends of mine, mine's houses whose parents were a little bit more liberal and, you know, 16 or whatever. And, yeah, you know, you guys can have a drink but just stay around here and ride around the neighbourhood kind of thing. So mm. I'd explore that as much as I could. You know, I really got into music, really got into drinking and stayed all the way through school, you know, pretty pretty dedicated to my studies and did another two years of tertiary education after that. But once I got my licence, I just ate McDonald's and, and drank to his new. <laughs> <laughs> because I was never allowed to have it, you know. It was always one of those mm. things. It's like, yeah. Mm. And so, in your thirties, was it like binge drinking, or would you yeah, identify I'll, as being an alcoholic? Or at the time, there's no way. I probably 
in amongst my close circle celebrated this whole alcohol is my life kind of thing. I would never have gone, oh, I'm an alcoholic. That was for old people who were smoking ciggies out the front of the local church waiting for the, mm. the, the, you know, the, the evening AA meeting sort of thing. But, oh, yeah, I was definitely an alcoholic. I, I couldn't go without it. I drank in my prime, you know, through, through my 20s when I was landscaping, running my own business until, you know, early 30s. I drank all day, every day from about 10 o'clock as soon as the bottle I was open. I was always very fit and very strong and very active and I never got a hangover. So I could always just keep going and functioning. And, and um, you know, through summer, the bottle I would be open at 10. I've probably been up since 4.30 or 5 and been to the beach, started work, done a few hours, got everything organized and would go and get a tourley and go back and keep working and wow. get another tourley after lunch and probably get one for the afternoon. For me and the boys, I'd have a fair few guys working for me. You know, when I was at my busiest, we'd have a few tallies on the job after and then I'd get a three-pack of tallies on the way home and a six-pack of, of Jim Beam. So I would probably I was probably having, I guess, 20, 25 standard drinks. A day? A day. Weekend, wow. weekend, I'd, I'd surpass that, yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous is why I guess I, yeah, I laugh a bit now. Yeah, so... I'm just trying to envisage you as that. And so waking up the next day, like are you remembering the night before? Are you, a, you know, an asshole drunk? What no. Describe drunk Shane. Through the week when I when I was working, like I just described, that was okay because I was just like my dad. I'd modelled myself on, on many of, of his ways. And my mum's, you know, she's she's very determined and just non-stop doing, doing, doing. I was never allowed to sit around at home. You know, that was taboo. There's stuff to be done. So, And I wake up early, always wake up early, even if I just passed out at 3 o'clock. You know, the night before I'd be up at 5.36. It might be a little bit dusty and tired and foggy, but I'd shower and, and there's not much, there was never much thought. It's like, okay, this has got to be done. Let's go. And So what was your low point? What turned you? Oh... Was there a low point even? I mean, yeah, there was a low point. I could. There was one specific evening actually. I'd I'd been overseas. I went overseas in the mid nineties, and I'd done a yoga class over there. I'd I'd always had a little bit of this calling towards this alternative kind of way of looking at things, and and I did a yoga class there and. I was exposed to a whole new way of living once I went overseas. I was away from the Gold Coast. I was away from Shane. I was away from Ron and Suzette, my mother and father. I was away from all of these names and these labels, and I was just like, oh, wow. I discovered other things like mm. ecstasy and, <laughs> you know, different different ways of, of of experiencing life and myself, and I just went, okay, there's there's a different way to what I've been doing and that was that was a very fortunate moment for me to actually look out a different window and go, okay, there's something else. So then I went back to my old ways and I stayed with them, but I quickly jumped on, you know, some more study, which I went and studied Chinese medicine in Brisbane and and uh, feng shui and those sort of things to tie into my landscaping and where I was heading and. I was still drinking a lot, you know, studying and working, studying at night, working all day, catching the train back to the Gold Coast, drinking everywhere, I, you know, anywhere I could. 
And there was a couple of dark nights on weekends where I just had drunk so much and I could feel a darkness and a weight. I used to write a lot and I'd, I'd write dark stuff and I was just like, wow, look what's, look where I am. This is, this is in the opposite direction to some of this other stuff that's also presenting at the same time. So as this light and new way was presenting, I was experiencing more and more darkness and, and weight and I was just like, okay, things have to start to change. A lot of people with their journey with alcohol, when they've come coming to an end with it, they usually have a big, like a rock bottom moment. And then they start to quit with sheer willpower and then the spirituality comes in. But it seems like for you, it's like the spirituality came in and then did it start to fall away? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably a fair description. I was raised a Catholic. I lived in fear. You know, I used to go to bed every night. I didn't verbally pray out loud, but I'd pray that I wouldn't get AIDS because <laughs> it was the 80s and the Grim Reaper uh, advertisement was on television every night. <laughs> yeah. And I prayed that I that there wouldn't be World War Three. Uh, and I thought if I didn't pray, one or both of those things might happen. So I lived in fear. I, well, that's religion as well versus spirituality. That's too, that's yeah. a that's yeah that's a whole other conversation. Perhaps we could <laughs> another podcast talk about it another time. But yeah, so I always had this connection to spirit or or a, or a subtle force behind this, you know, this this earth and these gross bodies that we wander around in. And then, yeah, I really started to feel into that when I started studying Chinese medicine. I was exposed to Taoism, mm. and my mind just blew open. I thought, oh wow, okay, this is a again a whole other way to look at things and now this really makes sense Mm. so everything i'm doing everything i'm putting into my body has a consequence Mm. and i could say good or bad or i could just say it has a consequence and and kind of really start to observe my behaviors and the things i'm doing and perhaps then i could get a a better sense of who i am and how i am and and a better way to to be or at least move towards because it's hard it's hard to just go i'm no longer shane turner that grew up on the gold coast that drank 20 beers a day and mm. had long hair and you know went to every heavy metal thrash metal death metal gig that i could <laughs> every evening sort of thing to then oh i'm now shane turner who explores spirituality and practices yoga and wants to actually not drink and not smoke and do those things so how did that sit too, like that shift in identity? How did that how did that sit with, say, your dad or people you'd grown up with? Uh, pretty good, actually. Mm. They always nicknamed me Zen, Zen Dog, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, even when, you know, we, even in my 20s when I was drinking and we'd skate and surf and I guess I was, I was known for a, a sense of calm even amongst, you know, some... Some wild, fiery situations. Mm. You know, I remember, you know, going night clubbing in surface every night of my life once I finished school and whatnot <laughs> for about, well, however long, I don't know. I don't even remember, but there was always lots of fights breaking out in the alleyways and whatnot. And I remember, you know, there was a big Japanese um, population at the time in surface paradise. And, you know, there's a few times I remember seeing Japanese guys getting picked on and bashed and... You know, only upon reflection now, I remember just running in and just pulling whoever was doing the, the damage off, you know, these innocent victims as such. And I was never aggressive to the other people. It's just like, this is rubbish. You know, I, I was, yeah, anyway. 
They they nicknamed me Zen Dog before I really you know had any idea what Zen was and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was in there. It was trying to come through. Can I call you Zen Dog? You can absolutely call forward. me Zen Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing Ash and I have been studying neurolinguistic programming just for a bit of fun on the yeah. side, as you do. Um, but a really interesting thing we read the other day was that you can trying to change yourself if people a lot of people will try to change their environment or the people they're around and think that that is going to bring them lasting change or to change a habit so I'll often hear people say that's it I'm done I'm going to move to I'm moving to Darwin I'm moving to Darwin I'm going to get away from all my toxic friends and once I'm in Darwin I'm just using Darwin as an example yeah um I'm going to recreate myself and I'll become a non-drinker or I'll become this or I'll become that. The problem is that you'll eventually, it might work for a little while, but eventually because you haven't changed your idea of yourself, you've just moved, you've just shifted environments, nothing changes. You'll eventually seek out other people to drink with you or you'll start drinking and Zooming your old friends or you'll (laughs) fall back into those old habits. The The quickest way to fast track lasting change, which doesn't require like schlepping and, and just full-on willpower is to change your identity and your belief system and structure. So part of, like, I can see what you're saying, how you've changed is that you changed from being Shane Gold Coast, you know, even though you had a bit of Zen Dog in you, you embraced Zen Dog. <laughs> yeah. And embracing Zen Dog, then you go, I'm not, I'm no longer that. I'm not that. And I can shed that. And I can see myself as this different person. And then naturally things just start to fall away. It becomes easier to change those habits. You don't need to just change your environment because you're changing yourself from a fundamental level, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And then one step above that is uh, a connection, connection to source. So whether it's your spiritual practice or religious in AA, that's probably why they have, you know, that God thing going on in AA too. Because if you bring in the spirituality, that automatically changes your identity of yourself too. And then things change. So mm. that I think that's probably um, a really apt description of what happened with you too. And then, so one, one thing with you, I mean, we've had all my guests that have been on have been massive drinkers and have gone just cold turkey, mm. stop drinking. But you actually have managed to just have like one beer a month. Or less. So let's talk about that because that's not something I'd usually recommend for people that are quitting. I'd normally say, no, you need to stop um, because I've been there and Ash has been there and a lot of people I know have been there where you can kind of kid yourself in thinking. But I think it's, again, that thing of what we said, that whole identity shift, whereas I don't feel I don't feel like I could probably ever go back to just having one drink. I don't think that's me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So could we just explore that? Yeah, sure. It's originally I would originally I replaced my drinking behavior with different behavior. Like once I got into yoga, it's like okay, if I have a if I go to a yoga class tonight, then I I'm not going to drink that day because there's something good at the end of it that I can't do if I drink and I really want to do it. So I started putting good things kind of on the roadmap ahead to stop me or prevent me or at least open up a window where 
you know, I wasn't doing my old pattern for at least that one day. And, mm. and I soon realized that that worked for me. So then I would do more yoga. I'd <laughs> do mm. a class every night, you know. I'd replace the bad pattern with a, with a, a good pattern, you mm. know. In, in yoga, it's called samskara, you know. We have samskaras, which are just patterns. And you could say good or bad, but they're just patterns. Some are more favorable. So one that's no longer a favorable pattern, you bring in a, a new pattern which is more favorable, you know, more in the direction you're heading, and you replace it there. And, you, and you, you know, that's one way where you can start to soften the old as mm. opposed to cut it off. Mm. Because for me, I saw my old man cut it off. And right or wrong, you know, I looked at him and I feel like he took up Coca-Cola. You know, there was a 30-pack of Coca-Cola in the fridge mm. every day. Because maybe he hadn't changed his belief the, no. the identity. No, no, he yeah. just replaced it with something else. Yeah. And it might, yes, it was a better thing, but there was still these attachments, you know, it's still an attachment, you know, mm. and we're always dealing with attachments. So I guess perhaps I just wanted to hold on to some of my old identity. Perhaps I still just wanted to drink for that little bit longer initially and I just thought no I'm going to do it different I'm not going to cut it off because I can actually cut things off quite easily I can remove things but for me it was like well actually perhaps I haven't dealt with the seed of this problem by just you know removing the plant kind of thing the seed is still in there somewhere mm. so I thought I'll do it a little bit differently I'll just see if I can open up the gaps put better patterns in and see if it falls away and obviously it takes longer and for me it's worked out okay to this point um but at times and for some people it might be way more challenging because you stay around it you know mm. a lot of people just don't go to parties or they don't or they move away like you say to to remove themselves from the temptation and mm. whatnot uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's it's the right way, but it's the way I've I've done it, mm. and and yeah. But it's worked for you, and I mean, if you're you've gone from that full on binge drinking alcoholic behaviour to being able to successfully, mm. yeah, just bring in one, and that's I mean that's fantastic, and that's just as good. Like I don't think everyone needs to. Everyone's different too, and everyone you know what you you get to know yourself too. Like I tried for years and years cutting out or just having one and all that kind of stuff. I wonder now because I feel like I feel so changed within myself, but I'm still maybe a little fearful to even explore that yeah. as an option. So I think for me, I'm safe where I am, and this is good for me. But and and going forward, is that ever an option for you to completely cut it out, or we just see what happens? I guess or? I know that I will. And it won't be so much of a cutting it out. At the end of the day, you don't need it. Mm. We could go back to Mike Muir and what I read, you know, what he said in the in the 90s. It's poison. It hasn't changed. It's actually poison going into the body. Mm. And because of my yoga journey, I've probably been doing yoga for a little over 20 years now. I know those times, even if it's it's a processed food, and I'm not really super strict or I'm not a, I'm not um, rigid in any of my stuff as, because for me that can breed some tension and then tension leads to other things whether it's behavioral the way you talk or act or, or what you you do as such and so basically the the way I went about it was to kind of 
I still know now that that action of of putting something in the body has a consequence, mm. and that consequence or or effect, you know, is an experience you have, and that experience is either in the direction you are heading, or it's in the direction of you know perhaps where you're not heading. So now there's a little bit more work to do. Mm. Yeah, like there's the last time. It's a fair while ago now because I've just come off a water fast and prior to that I did a a week of, of cleaning out and prior to that, you know, we teach yoga every day morning and, and through the day and I massage five days a week. So, you know, there's not much room for for just normal cups of tea and normal food, let alone <laughs> other things anyway. So, but I know that my vision the next morning will be not as sharp if I've had you know, mm. chocolate or, you know, a soft drink or if I've had a beer or something. So I know that it compromises, you know, the point I got to the night before. So therefore there's a couple of extra things that I now have to do the next day mm. to level out again as such, mm. yeah. And so the thought of having a drink, it's just not worth it. No, I got bored. Mm. Like I drank so much and... I did, that's one of the things, you know, the darkness was the first thing. It's like, oh, wow. And, and, you know, tears would come on some of my bigger binge drinking nights. And, you know, I would go into the most darkest places of, of just, you know, self-destruction and and whatnot. But, you know, when you've got so much alcohol running through your system, you just wake up. And I would not remember the night before. Mm. Like at the end, I would never remember. I'd just wake up and go, right, okay, pretty sure we had a good time. And then, you know, the next minute I've done my day and I've had another drink. So mm. it just stays in your system and it's kind of this perpetual cycle of, you know, up, down, up, down. And you don't realise, you think you're just cruising along, but you're up, down, up, down. The system's just like constantly trying to process and work and work and work. And, you know, it's so I, brutal in our bodies. And... Yeah, it really is. And I, and I, And I saw what was happening to me. I didn't speak openly about it, but I did things, you know, but going back to what you were saying, like people might move to Darwin. I did. I moved to Brisbane. I got out of the Gold Coast and I went and studied something completely different. It was my heart was saying, this is singing to you, Shane. This is calling you Chinese medicine, feng shui, you know, do something different. I'd just gotten back from overseas, so I had to do something different to, mm. or I was going to die or kill someone because, mm. you know, you do stupid things. Mm. And... That behaviour continued in Brisbane, you know. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, you know, probably one of my lower moments. You know, I was driving. It might have been Sunday night, you know, and Friday night was pe- probably where it began. And and I, and I just drove into, a, you know, a taxi. Wow. And then you know, drove off. Oh. Just thinking that's this will this will work out all right. And that was the moment when I sat on the balcony that night and just went, okay. This is Shane. It was like I was looking in a mirror. The mirror wasn't there. It was like I was just talking to the world, which was just my audience. And I was just, okay, this is where it changes. And it it really did change from that night. And I desperately wanted to to ground and anchor somewhere. And I I soon met someone and they already had a little child, a little little bub. You know, I knew her before the baby was born, had this weird kind of journey with the baby's dad actually from – primary school where I went to school primary school with this with the father of this this little boy 
and then I moved schools to the other complete end of the Gold Coast, and there, sure enough, was this 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 kid again at at the same school, you know, another fifty kilometres away from my other school, and sure enough, I ended up being, you know, the father to to his child for the first twelve years of this this young boy's life, mm. and I um that was probably one of those Darwin moves. I moved to Brisbane, and then I moved into this this mother and child's life and I just fell in love with the both of them at the time and I remember putting that little boy in my little shoulder bag where I was living in Brisbane and let let mum sleep in and walked across to the the northy street farmers markets and he was like a little like a little possum just in my <laughs> shoulder bag I was going to get some food in that and I just my world changed in that moment where I just fell in love again with this this boy and and my life and and the world and thought this is the next step, you know, I, I, I want to be a father. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, a fair few kids later, mm-hmm, yeah. here we are <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> You've got like the whole Brady Bunch thing going on Yeah, in your in your little household. I touched on this with Benny as I don't know if there's more pressure for men, you know, for men to be able to even open up, like you said, sometimes tears would come. I, and I often think... <sighs> Is it a way for men to access their vulnerability or to... Yeah. It would be really beautiful if we could see more men like you transition into more of a soft... You're very masculine, but you're soft mm. and it's really beautiful. And if there was more men like you that could just... Whether it's yoga or just getting more in touch like that rather than relying on alcohol to mask so many emotions. Yeah. Do you see much scope for men being able to open up in that way? I do. You know, my motivation to become a yoga teacher, like I mumbled all my life back to my old man being hard, you know, like he would reach for the salt on the table to put on the the chops that had come off the grill on Sunday night with these shriveled up vegetables that we'd have on Sunday night dinner and he'd reach for the salt and I would just flinch, you know. I I I lived in fear from, from him, from God. Hello, God. Yeah, so we've got... We've got generations and generations in this country. And if you're from Irish, you know, English lineage, there's a whole nother a whole nother conversation that just goes back of, of this patriarchal domination and suppression and, and alcohol is nothing but that in, in you know, packaged up in beautiful cans and, and bottles, this mm. here you go. Have this. This is acceptable, you know. And Everything will be okay. Mm. Come to church on Sunday and, and, and say sorry and everything will be okay again for the week, you know. Just mm. have a drink. It'll be okay. Mm. You know, you drink responsibly and <laughs> call this number and all of this. But here it all is on every single estate, you know. I landscape probably six or seven of the big, whatever they call them, satellite cities or, or new suburbs in, on the Gold Coast for a decade there off the western side of the highway, northern Gold Coast. And first thing that goes in is all the streets, then the houses, and then a, a little row of shops, six shops, and here comes the hairdresser, the 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 corner store, the, the laundromat and, and the and the and the bottle shop. Mm. You know? So move in everybody, here's your little you know, your acceptable little drug and mm. you know, have a drink and suppress it all and, and just get on with your business. But, you know, we're already such masters at suppressing things we actually need to like you say become more vulnerable and and you know this is me accepting this call today when you 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 reached out to me i just went "Mm, i don't know if i'm interesting i don't know if i'll be inspirational but what i do know is that i will be vulnerable 
Mm. And that's my one of my biggest goals. And like 10 years ago when I became a yoga teacher, I only did it. Well, I can't say that. But my main reason for doing it was so that more men would come. Mm. Because like you say, perhaps I am masculine, you know, mm. and, a, and a stronger man with this, with some, with some softness there. Mm. And, and I know that I love my father dearly, you know, and, but I don't want to be him. Mm. I am mm. me and I need to be the, the softest, kindest boy, man, father that I can possibly be because the world needs that. Absolutely. We don't need more loud men that are going to, you know, push and mask and, and cover up and crush and, you know, carve that way. That path is already too deep and too dark. You know, the, the soft, men need to be soft. We're already masculine. We're already very strong by design. We're masculine by design. We have that. Mm. We don't need to be harder and harder. And that's that's what I thought you had to be. So I drank harder and harder, listened to harder and harder music. And, and now I've got a lot of work to do to just get softer <laughs> and softer and softer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. And women, women are the same. Women are just so freaking beautiful. They are the nurturing, sustaining force on this earth, you know. They are perfect the way they are, you know. Mm. They and we we just get caught up in anyway. Again, that's a whole other topic, but yeah, men in general, we just do. We need to come together, and we need to be bold and strong in becoming soft. Oh my God, yes, I oh, so much yes, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm almost gonna start crying because I I so wish that we could just get in touch with our true selves without all this bullshit you know of like having to drink and having to be this and having to be that and just all the the bullshit you know that that comes along with everything not just with alcohol but you know more of this and a bigger house and, da, 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 mm. and trying to impress where if we were just spiritual beings and just ourselves and our true selves and loving ourselves for who we are mm. we wouldn't even need that shit <laughs> We're no, just... you imagine, you, you know what it's like, you, you, you stop drinking. And in the beginning, you know, I know for my wife, you know, Lissy and, and myself, the circle we were in, we were the only ones yeah. who weren't drinking. So all of a sudden you don't get the invitations to the parties. You don't get those phone calls. And, you know, that's a whole other journey of, of acceptance and, and whatnot and, and being patient and staying true to where you're at and trusting mm. and... You know that same circle now is is still there, and 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 you're coming together in a, in a new way. You know, you're allowing each other to be each other and support each other, as opposed to perhaps you know in your thirties and in your twenties. And you know, if you didn't drink, there was something weird about you. You know, oh, you were yeah. suspicious, <laughs> almost. Yeah. You know, and that's that's so incredibly unfair and 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 wrong and disturbed, but. This is again generations and generations and generations and and marketing and advertising and so we've got we've got um yeah got work big to do, work people. to do <laughs> and we might as well make that work fucking enjoyable and and an everyday thing and yeah. just gently gently just bit by bit getting to know yourself again having conversations with yourself like real ones mm. you know try and. Just try and work out what are what are the old stories inside the head, and just perhaps see if you can quieten quieten those and, and allow those new ones to come up from the heart, mm. and then come into the head to 
Yeah. There's a there's a cool there's a cool quote from Bruce Lee. The softer you become, the more powerful you will be. Mm. You know, that's the whole premise behind martial arts. Anyone, I never did it, but I wish I did. But you see all of those martial artists and they're just moving they're just moving with that energy. They're not moving with arm arms and, you know, mm. weapons and things. They're just moving the energy that's in their body with the energy that is there with their opponent. It's not a a physical combat. Mm. Which is how we're kind of taught to live. Yeah, you're so you're so right. Looking at you and a lot of people who know you, besides Ash, I'd say you're one of the the strongest men I know. Yet one of the softest. But you're like this solid, unshakable tree trunk. <laughs> you mean like really strong, like I could pick up cars and shit. <laughs> Physically, you're strong, you know, but you're strong, like you you're unflappable. And I just think that is the epitome of of masculinity. Not some guy who's that's not strong. That's not strength. Yeah, that that might serve its purpose. I really want to put out there: just give yourself a break, people. You know, and you don't have to be jamming this shit down your throat every weekend to be strong or to be. You end up becoming someone that you're not anyway. Yeah, you know. And I think we all know that. Mm. I think when we're doing that stuff, we know deep down and most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would go home or wake up not knowing not, you know, how we got home and instantly know that mm. something's not right. But you kind of bury it. You know, We're taught to sweep stuff under the carpet and just get on with it. Mm. And the greatest thing is to actually love that person from the night before. Everything you did, whatever you said doesn't matter. Whatever you broke, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the key. And it's, you know, it might be a bit cliche and a bit airy fairy, but if you can actually flip it and rather go, oh, 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 I hate that. I hate that part of me. And just go, that same part of me, that same thing that happened last night. Oh, man, I love that, that girl. I, I love that, that man that was last night. And just, and just hold that softly for a moment and go, it's okay. I've caught myself in that moment and I've flipped it around and I might end up in that moment again next weekend and perhaps I can just again see myself maybe a little sooner this time, maybe not, but still love myself. And then at least the conversation is starting to change. It's like, all right, mm. no more, I wish I didn't do that or I hate that part of me. Oh, it feels good. It all, it's all whatever. It's start loving that part of you because that's brought you here. Everything I ever did and said, good and bad, cruel and beautiful to anyone who's brought me here on the couch to you today. So I have to look at it all and just go, I love it. Mm. I can't judge myself. I can't be attached to some of those things where I was given a trophy and, and that's me and I can't you know, get weighed down by those things where I was a terrible example of a father. None of that. Mm. It's just It's brought me here. Yeah. 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 I'm a big believer in that too, to not be too hard on yourself about what's been because what's been got you here, exactly what you're saying. Oh, yeah. And I'm really grateful for those times and all the fucking, you know, all the, all of it. I'm grateful for all of it mm. because without it, I definitely wouldn't be here right now and helping other people. Mm. So one, I'd love to know if there's any advice you could give, it's particularly to young young men that are... 20, 30s, you know, they're out there working away, particularly like the tradie type men. I've got a lot of them in my family. Mm. What advice would you give to them just about the softening and, and being true to themselves? 
Oh, what advice would I give to them? Without without getting caught in, I guess, trying to fix something, like it's broken or it's not right, just kind of stop and, and, and give yourself a moment. When it, when it naturally presents, you know, in a high time or in a low time, and just go, okay, where am I at? Is this true? Is this the right way? Should I be having this next beer? At least if you ask the question, and then an answer might appear that speaks a little bit more volume. If you don't ask the question, so it's inquiry. Mm. Just inquire, self-inquiry. Mm. You know, just check in. Questioning, you know, self-inquiry is, is, is the greatest thing. And if I had that as a, as a tool early on, mm. at least I could have started this, this conversation much earlier on to reduce the workload later. I think we all know we we have parents, so we could look at our parents and just go, man, our parents have worked hard physically or on themselves or just to get by in life or to to get all this stuff where they are. So we all know being a human being is you're on. Mm -hmm. You're not off, okay? Once you're born, you're on (laughs) until you actually die. Mm. So while you're on, we might as well ask questions and keep Keep this self-inquiry conversation open because only we know the answers. We know what's right. We're subject to the, to the government or to our partner or to teachers or to our peers that we turn to for, for the answers and for inspiration and inf- information, which is all required and all great. But at the end of the day, only we know if we went up on a mountain and just sat there for a moment, which some of us have done or, or do do, you know what it's like up there. Mm. There's a quiet and there's a spaciousness, and and you know what's right. Mm. You create those little moments where you can take yourself to the mountain, even when you're in amongst mm. all of the colour and all of the noise. If you can just find your little mountain and just sit for a moment and go, what's that voice saying right now? Mm. Where should I go in the next moment with these words or with this drink or whatever? Oh, my God, yes. Take your... Take yourself to your mountain. Yeah, come and see Zen Dog on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Find your own Zen Dog, yeah. I think just question yourself. Yeah. Because we just copy. Yeah. By design, we copy our parents or we copy our best mates or we copy our favourite band. Yeah. I listen to freaking Metallica. I think I've still, I'm still <laughs> under oath that I'm going to be drinking and, and smoking and listening to Metallica when I'm 70. Yeah, <laughs> that's not ha- that's not going to happy happen. Sorry, James and sorry, James Kirk Hetfield. And, yeah, we've got to question ourselves along the way. Otherwise, we just kept we just end up twenty five, thirty five, forty five, and like, ooh, mm. I've been doing this stuff for a long time. I've been sweeping stuff under the carpet for a long time. I've been doing things that actually I'm quite bored with, and mm. I should probably start looking at doing things a little differently. I think you're right too. It's a self-inquiry. It's like, is this serving me or Mm. what am I getting out of this? Is this enhancing my life or taking away? Mm. The self-inquiry, you're exactly right. Just keep asking questions and the answers come. And no judgment, no attachment Mm. Mm. because we all know it's it's a pretty big dance. Mm. This this job we've got of being a human being, it's it's bigger than just me and doing what I want to do tomorrow. Things are going to pop up along the path. So I can go, yeah, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to eat freaking Brussels sprouts and <laughs> organically grown 
whatnot in the afternoon because yeah. that's my ideal path. But I know I'll wake up and my child might be sick. I might not have a great sleep. You know, I might have an, a prickly conversation with my wife or a run-in with a stranger on the car because anything. So we can't be too attached, nor can we judge because that just creates more shame mm. and, and more fixation, which yeah. just leads to stress and tension, which just then leads to what can I get next to soften this stress and tension that I'm oh feeling God. right now. Yes. That's the big one I find, especially with binge drinkers, this this cycle, this this constant cyclic nature of the, the binge, the guilt, then the next weekend wanting to or, or swearing off it. A few days passes, they feel a bit better and it all just, and it just goes around and around mm. and around. And the shame, like I've talked to so many people where I'm like, just stop shaming yourself. Mm. It's okay. And we've all done it. Um, the shame has to stop. Yep. I think that just gets you nowhere. Yeah. And as best we can, we have to we have to own it all. Mm. Okay, that shame is something that I had to feel. I have to feel shame to know what the opposite of that is. Yeah. I have to feel guilt. Yeah. Because if I don't feel guilt, then I won't truly understand that sense of freedom and liberation. Mm. You know, if I, if I don't feel and honour that anger that is real and I just grab a, have a tolly, then I, then I won't really be able to experience the opposite of mm. of anger, which is whatever that is, yeah. you know, pure joy and, and happiness. Yeah. And I kind of watch these things along the way, and I, I am a bit of a, a sit back, and I don't kind of guy on the couch, and I don't, I'm not out there attacking life, and that's not a good position to be in necessarily, is that you can't just sit on the couch and wait for life to come to you, mm. nor you can be out in the world just ripping ping, and tearing and doing it your way. You have to become passively and intimately involved in everything. So mm. accepting and owning everything that's ever happened to you mm. and that you've ever done mm. as part of what was required to make you the 25-year-old man that you are still full of testosterone and ego and confusion and, and all of that stuff or the the 45-year-old incredible mother that you now are of children that aren't even yours by birth, whatever it is, we we have to just keep that conversation going, you know, with ourselves, loving it all, owning it, owning it all. Yeah. Because if you deny something, oh, no, that's not me. Oh, I didn't do that. Or mm. then there's tension. And that's the cheeky thing. As soon as tension or stress comes into a situation – we will look elsewhere to alleviate that and it's outside of ourselves where we look. It's at the bottle shop because it's either four minutes in that direction or two minutes in that direction and it's $5 in a can. Yeah. You know, it's it's very, very easy. And I think if we see that, we still might be in these patterns, but if we can start to see these patterns and see what's happening here, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, it's like be a, an observer. And then I can see on. it, and now yeah. I can work with it. Before that, I was just caught in it. This is me, of this to how I am. This is my partner. It's how they are. This is what we do. Yeah. No. Often, too, acknowledging that there may be some kind of underlying thing there. Not always, but when I see someone drinking all the time, or binge drinking, or maybe even like an alcoholic who's drinking every night, or. To me, I'm looking at them not at the the alcohol, but I'm looking. I'm thinking, what's the pain there? What's 
what is what's the deep hurt here that you're masking or what you're trying to numb and cover up. Yeah. So even becoming aware, like just being observer, being like you say, observe your behaviors and observe what might really be, and that can be really painful. Mm. But to acknowledge that there might be something there that, ooh, I think I might need to deal with this. You know, that's what I see in a lot of people. I just see hurt now when I'm seeing someone that's really wasted or that's mm. doing it regularly, really beating up on themselves. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I think we're that was really beautiful chat. You're such an amazing human. <laughs> and thank you. And you've just, I love your yoga classes so much. And you're Zooming now, right? So if someone wanted to, from interstate, for example, and a lot of people listening here, even from America, I've been getting a lot of messages from people. They can Zoom you and do a class with you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, there's, a, there's a few people from the UK who who jump Fantastic. on board and, and people interstate in Australia. So, yeah, I mean, thanks for the... The little plug. The little plug, <laughs> yeah. We, we I'll are. put links on the show notes as well. Yeah. The yoga, yeah, for the Yoga Shack. And I'm very fortunate, you know, and I feel very blessed to have stayed pretty vigilant, you know, to that voice inside and and to have met my, you know, my darling wife, Lissy, and, and together... You know, we've woven this this path where we we do we teach every day at our at our you know beautiful little studio, the Yoga Shack on our on our property, and mm. and um, I feel very privileged. And in that, me accepting this challenge to have my second interview in my life. The first one was I think in 1999 for a job <laughs> at Scene Magazine in Brisbane. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I have to do this. I have to stay on this path. Because it's the right path for me as an individual and it's the right path I feel for me as a man, for man or for men. Mm. And I, I still don't know. I'm still stumbling my way through this. But I, I thank you for this opportunity. And mm. if I want to say one thing, that any guys listening to this, we have to look in the mirror and, and just look as best we can for as long as we can with the most kind and compassionate Mm. eyes and just love love that little boy love that teenage boy love that wild or 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 inward 20 year old and 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 just love it all and hug it all and then keep re-looking at yourself every day and just seeing what you actually see Mm. just checking in because Mm. we're such creatures of habit and we are such mimickers you know, we just copy like we started the conversation. We just copy our parents. It's natural. We copy, we copy all of these things we gravitate towards, and we become this wild personality of ten different people in our lives mm. that we then need to just check in and go, "Ooh, is that me now? Am I that person? Do I really believe what I just said? Mm. Do I really want to do that?" And if the answer's yes then keep going or if the answer is like mm, not sure then then there's there's room for for, for change you know mm. we must continue to adapt and modify every day yeah so awesome without attachment without investment but we've got to keep doing things differently you know that's what you're talking about with the the, the neuroplasticity you know mm. if we keep going the same way we just carve this deep and deep and groove not mm. right or wrong but it's just a deep groove and before you know it, at the end of that groove, and you, you, we can't really see left or right because we're so deep in the rut and mm. there's a freaking lot to see out there. There is. 
you're such a great, <laughs> such a great inspiration for men. I just wish more men would tap into what you've tapped into. And I, again, I just hope that, like what you said, any men listening to this, you know, reach out to you at the Yoga Shack and don't, a beautiful thing to see a man soft and gentle. Like I was saying, it is, you know, you can still be masculine and be soft and authentic and not have this bravado. It's the most beautiful and attractive version of a man. Well, I think anyone, anyone really becomes quite comfortable and safe with another person when that person presents quite real and genuine yeah. and attentive and and relaxed in who they are, no matter freaking how they look, what they're wearing, age, sex. If someone is kind of like that, you're not even aware, your shoulders will drop, your heart will lift, and you might start speaking like on topics you've never spoken about or... And this is where we all want to be. We know we want to be that person where we can just drop the shoulders and our heart can lift and we can just be so in the moment with the children that are around us or with our partner or our work colleagues and we can not be in the story of yesterday and just be here and now. So any men who hear this or anyone who wants to share this with any men, please do because I need to do something and I'm a little bit hopeless as far as <laughs> extending myself out there. But I, um, I guess I'm using this to, you know, put my hands together in a bit of a bit of a prayer, you know, and and in full reverence to all the men out there, because we've got lots of good work to do, and and the more of us that can talk together, you know, talk amongst ourselves and come together and and um, just talk differently, yeah, and and see what happens, because it's pretty obvious we need to do. Most of us can do things differently, and. You know, we've got so much um, of a playground of that sort of inquiry and practice in our own homes, wherever we're living mm. and in our own jobs, whatever we're doing, to, to, to not do it all the same way as yesterday or last week or last month and, and keep it fresh and innocent and, and dynamic. And it's more playful then and it's more enjoyable and, mm. and life is spontaneous. It's not a, it's not a stagnant yeah. Um, this is what'll happen to next tomorrow and this is what'll happen tomorrow. It's it's spontaneously shifting and modifying every day. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I think to be authentic, to be soft is sexy. You can still be masculine and be soft. You can still be masculine and be vulnerable and it's it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for sharing and thank you for opening that conversation for other men. Mm. And I, I think you've got a lot of good work to do in that in that field, which is I'm really excited to see what you do do with that. Yeah, I am going to maybe three or four weeks from now, I will be running my first uh, men's yoga morning as such. And it's not just going to be a strictly a yoga class or that'll, that'll be the loose framework. Uh, yeah, so we will basically move our bodies and talk about the breath, talk about, you know, us as men and, and what that means from A to Z kind of thing as far as our own strength, our own, you know, bunch of emotions that are, are more relevant to man and what we can what we can do and, and how we can go about it to... um 
improve our own journey and, and those mm. around us. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll put. Can you send me links for that? Yeah, I'll I will. Pop that up on. I will for sure on the website. And could people zoom into that, or would it would it only be in the flesh if you're in the Northern Rivers? Well, I'm a very very late adapter <laughs> of new technology. So, um, yeah, we could possibly make that happen. My wife will probably listen to this and go, that's exactly what we will be doing, Shane. <laughs> we will be Zooming it. We'll be, But we'll definitely be doing it I'm going live in person in the that. Yoga Shack and we could definitely record it. So, uh, Thank you so much. And just um, speaking of vulnerable men yes. and men that are beautiful and open, Ash and I are doing a webinar. He's going to jump in and, and assist. We'll be doing a webinar coming up on the 7th of September on sharing with with people how we quit alcohol and Uh, what we did the processes we went through and to give people some tools and skills and tools to be able to yeah navigate your way through is particularly that first few months of not drinking so um if anyone wants a ticket for that just go again i'll put that in the show notes of this this episode um and i'll put it on our website as well so Feel free to go and have a look at that. Um, a few people have got back to me and said they can't make 10 o'clock, so I think we'll probably do a second one for around 8 o'clock at night. So, yeah, that's really exciting. We're pumped to do that. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. You are amazing. Thank you so much. And something that just popped in then, there's a one of the greatest things that I, I, I've um, read along the way. There's a, a, a real cool cat. He was a, a professor um, Richard Albert became Ram Das later on in his journeys oh, to India and whatnot. And, you know, he's got this very simple, beautiful phrase, is, is, which is just, we're all simply just walking each other home. Mm. And you know how much easier that is when we are light as opposed to stumbling drunk, try and walk someone home who is, <laughs> you know, staggering and heavy. It's nearly impossible. So let's make this walking each other home as easy and as joyfully as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice. (laughs) Thanks, Shane. Zen dog. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. See ya. Bye.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.